As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Today, my guest is Pete Tonsegger. Did I say that right, Pete? Yes, you sure did. Awesome. How are you? I'm fantastic. How about you? I'm doing lovely. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Pete. He is the youngest of nine. He worked several jobs while putting himself through college. His early work involved working in a research laboratory for a composite building products, serving as a springboard to his career as a sales manager in specialty chemicals and composite products. He is customer-focused and a value-obsessed director of sales. I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So tell me, how did you start your career and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, um, sort of interesting. Uh, You know, I never wanted to be a salesperson um, like so many people out there. That's sort of not where I wanted to go. But in college, I was working in a research lab. It was my work-study job. And it was a composite wood laboratory. And so I started interacting with different people who were bringing ideas into our lab and got a job running a composites lab for a startup business in Minnesota. And we were a small startup. And so as the head of the lab, and it was a technical product, I started getting brought out in front of customers. And it really started with me seeing myself as educating customers, not selling them. And that's really the approach I've taken since then. It's about helping the customer and bringing value. Helping the customer and bringing value. So when you think about those two things, helping the customer and bringing value, a lot of times I hear salespeople or sales managers saying, you can't do both. Because when they think about bringing value, they're always thinking about being so product centric and like thinking about their product. So tell me, how do you balance those two things? Right. And that's where so many people, I think, go wrong. They think about it as product, right? And so I look at the individual that I'm talking to. You've got to start there. We all bring our personal lives. We all bring our public selves and our business selves to work every day. And so it's relating to that person. And then you've got to do research ahead of time, too, and understand if it's a large corporation, the division they're in, the corporate goals, you really need to do your work ahead of time. Because what I've learned is a lot of times the value you bring has nothing to do with your product. I always tell my team, if it's the perfect product with the perfect company, the perfect quality, perfect supply chain, we don't need salespeople, right? It's going to sell itself. And so understanding, and I'll use current examples, right now, global shipping is a mess. And so I now work for a global corporation 
And so for some of our smaller accounts, I put them in touch with our global team that does shipping and receiving, and they can help them understand how to get a product. That's not a product. It's not me, but it brings value to that customer. It's something that someone selling the same product at a lower price can't offer. And so that's what I always coach my team on, understanding that it's not always product. It hardly ever is product. It really is, how can I help this customer? I love that. One thing that I often say is serve, don't sell, right? right? And sometimes when you're in a situation with a prospect, with an existing client, they don't need what you're offering right now, but you have a, somebody in your ecosystem, somebody that you know who can help them and you help them with their problem today. And that brings you more business tomorrow. So as a individual contributor, I know that it's, it's easy to have your march to the beat of your own job, focus on the customer centric and the value. And you mentioned coaching your team. How do you ensure that you're incorporating this into the fabric of your sales team? With my team, we, we talk about meetings. Uh, pretty much beforehand, we want to know what our objective is from the meeting. And with that, we really test each other. We really go back and forth, not so much role-playing, but really understanding what are you trying to do and how do you think you're going to get there? Because you can't lead the customer there, but you need to be knowing what your objective is to understand how to get there at the end. And again, it's more about uncovering what are the pain points, what are the bottlenecks, what are the problems that I can help solve? And that's how we do it. And then afterwards saying, how do you think we did? Because let's face it, having the best laid plan, you can walk into a meeting and get thrown sideways. And so you're not always going to hit your objective. But if you provided a glimpse to that customer of the value you bring, it's still a success. I love that. So, so many sales managers and sales teams, they hear role play and they're like, I hate role play. It's the worst ever. But I found that, you know, when you role play, what you're doing is you're allowing the salespeople to mess up in a safe space. And so even if they cringe or they don't like it, this is how they practice. And so when they get out there in the real world, they've already got all the jitters out. They've already perfected their pitch, their questioning. So it helps them. So how do you, one, get your team to enjoy role play? And two, what are some tips that sales managers could use to make their role play sessions better? Yeah, I think what I found in past in role playing, because honestly, I don't like role playing either. It is so uncomfortable. And one of the reasons is I think a lot of times when trainers come in, they set up profiles and things that maybe have nothing to do with the customer. And I always bring it back to, I start with, with the customer and I say, what problems are they facing? So if it's procurement, they're going to have specific problems. Is it marketing? It'll be different set of problems. And then say, how do they create a win for themselves in the business? And so that's really what I ask to set up a role play is what are we trying to achieve and how can we realistically help them get there? And that's, that's where you have to make it personal to me. And so for role playing, that's what gets my team comfortable with going through the scenario. I love that. It's um, starting with the end in mind, right? Like what are the goals that we're trying to achieve? What do we need to, what is the outcome of this meeting, right? And one thing that I like to tell people when I'm working with them, coaching them, is whenever you do a ride-along with your salespeople, you set the objective before the meeting, you, add, you are quiet in the meeting because it's not about you, nobody cares about you, it's all about the salesperson, and then after the meeting, you have to debrief, right? You have to say, you did this right, you did that right, 
okay, these are the goals that we set. Do you think that we achieved our goals? And again, when you're able to do that in a safe space, I think that's really what helps build the trust within the team. And when they get out there in the field, they perform better. Correct. Yeah, it's just immensely helpful. And I also try to remind my team that, you know, I've coached older uh, folks that have been selling for a long time. And in the current industry I'm in, it's long-term accounts that you've been selling to for 40 years. And so what's relevant 40 years ago is still relevant today as far as some of the knowledge. But I always remind them, I said, any relationship you've ever had, whether you're married, whether you're not, even your relationship with your parents, right? Think about when you first started that relationship and what was important to you and them then and what's important now. You know, new couples starting out, it's finding a place to live together. Uh, what do we agree upon? All of that. And once you've been married 20 years, it's different. So you can't assume that what you knew about an account 20 years ago or two years ago is true today. So tell me about those salespeople that you have that are probably towards the end of their career and they've been doing the same thing for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, for you as a sales manager, how do you ensure that you're giving the brand new people on the team? the same type of support as those um, more seasoned salespeople. Yeah. And what I try to do there is praise and understand those, those workers that have been in the, in the position a long time. They're doing a great job. They're the best coach. They're the best example for the newer members of the team. So get them to work together to understand each other and even to share accounts. I've done that. Some salespeople really hate it. I'll admit because they're very competitive and they want to win on their own. But if you make them understand that winning together, that's truly what a team is about. And what I also try to do is I try to stay away from my account, my this, my that. I always remind them we're stewards. They're the company's accounts. And so if I can get them to buy into that and believe in that, that's also a big asset to training. So I touched on something that is so big with sales teams. It's really like we're not competing against each other or competing against the external forces. And so really having within your sales team, them working on accounts together and sharing knowledge. And I want here, you can do this, you can do that. Give us some tips. Tell us how you were able to develop that culture within your team. So with the team, it's really a celebrating individual victories and also acknowledging the challenges and sharing those as a, as a group. Again, that, that safe space that you talk about owing up to everyone has a bad day, right? And the other thing I've done is I get the team comfortable with the fact that we're not all the right cup of tea for each other. And so you are going to have a count where you feel there's nothing there. We've got everything we can get. And so getting people comfortable with swapping out accounts to bring it. And I'm sort of the intermediary to make sure you're not dumping your worst accounts on someone, but really getting people to understand and it's been miraculous because accounts also respect that, that you respect them enough to say, all right, you know, it didn't work out with this salesperson. This is another person, right? And this is why I selected them for you. This is what I expect to get out of it because I want the accounts to understand too that they also play a role in this. If they're going to be prickly with every single account manager that gets in front of them, that's not an account that we want to spend a lot of time with. It's not rewarding for anyone. So I sort of also expect respect from the accounts for what we're trying to do. If we're truly bringing them value, they would understand that. I love that. I love that, you know, because sometimes I find that sales managers 
um, or salespeople, they're like, oh yeah, that person doesn't like me. So we're just not going to do business with them. But you take a different stance that maybe that salesperson doesn't veg with their personality. So let me try somebody else. And if I try three or four people, then yeah, it's the customer. It's not my salespeople, right? So right. at some point it's not making excuses. It's really aligning the outside influence with the inside influence. Correct. So Within this last year, we've been in, um, I call it a new normal. So we've transitioned to mainly virtual. We've done a lot of things differently. What were some of the challenges that you guys experienced and how did you overcome them? So the challenges, as you can imagine, um, we're not an inside sales team. We're an outside sales team here and it's international. And so to overcome some of the cultural differences, other things, it just makes more sense to be face-to-face -face as much as possible. And not being able to do that was very challenging. We adapted very quickly to having Teams meetings or Zoom meetings. That wasn't an issue, but the body language, the rest of it was really a challenge. And so for the team, a big thing we did is for large meetings, I'm okay. If, if someone's not talking, not really primary to the meeting, camera can be off, not a big deal. But if you're speaking, and especially if you're a salesperson, your camera needs to be on you need to be interacting in that way because that is the best thing we can do. And so that was one thing that we did. And like you said, we had to almost become therapists because when people were working from home, I found that there were more of their personal lives that interfered with work than when they're in their office. And so just understanding sometimes that, you're, that you can see a little kid that's coming up and tugging on dad or mom's shirt and wanting some attention saying, hey, you know, do you need a 10 minute break? Or should we reschedule? People really respected that and understood that. So it was being aware of these different cues that we obviously in a business setting, when you're in a conference room, you don't have to be aware of. So that was that was our challenges. And I think we tackled them very well. I love that because, you know, one thing that I say is, would you get in a room with a customer or with your sales manager, your colleagues with a bag on your head? <laughs> then, then why are we in a Zoom meeting and I'm just looking at a black box? And I, I poke fun. I said, I can talk to your black box today. I get it. You know, maybe you just don't want to be on camera, but it's weird <laughs> talking it to is. just a name. Right. And then I think that, you know, humanizing because salespeople are people too, right? Yeah. Like, I really like to say that because a lot of times, Salespeople get this stigma of being sleazy or self-centered or like all of these things. But at the end of the day, they're human, right? And so, yes, they have families, they have animals, they have kids, they have spouses, they have things that are happening. And really within this past year, there were so many things that were out of our control. So I'm curious, what do you see, I guess, for the next 12 months or so for, for the business? Are the reps going to be back in the field? Are you going to do in-person conferences, virtual conferences? What are you going to be doing to incorporate the old and the new? So for us, it's been um, pretty interesting. We, we deal with very small companies, but also very, very large corporations. And we've been trying to be polite and cognizant of where they're at. Some are coming back into the office on a part-time basis, but not allowing you know face-to-face -face meetings. Others are. And so we're getting in front of those that are ready to accept us. And honestly, with others, what we found is, they want to meet as well. And so if their company is not allowing people into the building to meet, we're actually flying out and meeting in an outdoor coffee shop, if that's acceptable, just having them check. But again, it's part of that value equation. Again, you have to value where they're at, what they're comfortable with, 
while still maintaining a great relationship. And so we're really doing a mixed bag of, of still doing some online, some face-to-face, -face, some getting into a corporate boardroom and talking to folks, whatever is acceptable to them and they're comfortable with. I love that. Back in the, the olden days, as my kids call it, when I was first in sales, I can remember one of the things that I would do when I got a new lead or prospect, I would ask them, how do you like to communicate? Phone, in-person, email. Sometimes right. people really like email. And like, I sold things 100% through email. This is way before the days of Skype or Zoom or selling that way. But like, I corresponded 100% through email. They sent a purchase order. We never spoke on the phone. Sometimes they would want to see you face-to-face. Like they would not do business with you unless they're like, no, come meet me. And then you're like, okay, well, can I send you the quote or the report? Nope, nope, come meet me, right? And you do what the customer wants. And I yeah. think that that goes back to being customer centric, which is what you said. It's like, focus on what the customer wants. I can't go on site, but I do think that we need a connection and you want to see me, let's go to a coffee shop. I'll take you to lunch, right? Um, and I think that is really what helps build these strong sales teams. Right, yeah. So- I would love for you to tell me, give me a success story. Tell me about a salesperson that you had that was an underdog, that was the comeback kid that was like uh, written off and you were able to redeem them or a team or a project, something that you're really especially proud of. You know, I've got quite a few folks that uh, I just feel personality wise, professionally, they were at one point and just getting them to a new point has been remarkable. And I had a person who was, a new immigrant to the United States and really felt uncomfortable with their language skills, felt uncomfortable with the way they interacted. It just culturally was a different environment for them. And so I worked with that person and helped them to understand that bringing their culture out and sort of bringing it with them instead of being ashamed of it or trying to minimize it was actually to their advantage because it made the conversation more interesting. It made it more of a learning experience for both sides. And this person just had a heart like you wouldn't believe. And I remember after two years, I was at a trade show and this was a female. She wasn't in the trade show booth. And one of her customers came in and said, is Lisa here? And I, and I, I have a dry sense of humor. So I made some sarcastic remark about, oh, you know, she, you know, Lisa, she showed up and now she's gone. And this customer got defensive on Lisa's behalf and defended her. And it was then I realized this is who she is. And to this customer, she wasn't a salesperson. She was a member of their team. And it just made me so proud of the steps that she had taken to really overcome you know, what she felt was something that set her back. And she was able to turn it around and really use it to her advantage to be more human as a sales, like you said, as a salesperson, right? Oh my goodness. I absolutely love that story. A lot of times in these, this technical field that we're in, we have a lot of people who English isn't their first language. And a lot of times they shy away from getting into sales because they're like, I have to talk to people and I don't feel like I can communicate clearly. But for you as a sales manager to say, Hey, it's okay. You know, your differences are accepted and respected. They're not going to work with you. And lean on the things that you're good at, that relationship building, that developing that rapport. And really, when you have a customer who is defending you to your boss, I mean, like, that is like the holy grail. So kudos to Lisa. I hope she listens to this wherever she is in life and really knows and understands how great of a salesperson she is to have her boss defending her. I mean, her customer defending her to her <laughs> boss. 
That is awesome. So Pete, we have had an amazing conversation and I know there are going to be people out there who want to get in contact with you. What is the one best way for them to reach out? Probably through LinkedIn. Um, I know it's a tough last name, but on LinkedIn, it's Pete. Last name is Tonsager. He is in Thomas. O-N is in Nancy, S-A-G-E-R. Just ping me on LinkedIn. I'll sure be sure to get back to you. Um, love meeting and connecting with people on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking to us about building value and having a customer-centric sales organization and really how you take your sales leadership, your sales management to a whole different level by really coaching your team to their strengths and their weaknesses. Thank you so much, Pete. Thank you for a great podcast. I love listening to it. It's been fantastic. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Be sure to check us out, rate and review this episode. And in everything you do, remember to transform your sales. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.